What's up, guys? Welcome back to Table 40. Matt and Leslie here, and today is a special guest, uh, Chris and Liz Young. And we got to talk to them before we came on air. Old friends. Uh, but not too old. No, young, young that. old yes. friends. Yes. <laughs> Low 40s friends. Um, Chris played for a long time, world champion, and now is the Texas Rangers general manager, which also makes me feel old. Um, played two sports in college, played basketball and baseball at Princeton. Um, anyways, awesome pitcher. I looked up our stats. I was seven for 26, which means we're it was probably not good for me and it was probably just decent, you know, two, six. You know it's funny, Matt. I, I remember the seven and not the, the other 19. So trust me, you uh, came out ahead in my mind for sure. Uh, only four doubles. I think you walked me seven or eight times, but it wasn't great. So no ownership really on either side here. <laughs> That's right. But um, anyways, thanks for coming on guys. It's been a long time since we've got a chance to catch up. I think we went on a couple Nike trips together. So yeah. Uh, We've known them uh, just a few years. I was going to say a long time, but we're so young. You can't really say that. But <laughs> thanks for coming on. Thanks no, for thank you us. for having us, man. It's great seeing you guys. And certainly it's been too long, but, um, you know, always one of my favorite people to compete against and just love the way you played and what you and, and Leslie represent as people and your family. And uh, it's it's one of the great aspects of being a major league player is being able to, uh, you know, to, to meet people like you and um, establish friendships that, you know, will last a, a long, long time. I know it is really fun, right? Like uh, we got to talk with you guys before we hit record and it's like, we just saw each other two weeks ago. So it's really neat to be able, like you said, uh, baseball is a really unique vocation and you get to meet people and you become fast friends because your lives are so similar um, at such a young age. And so anyway, let's, but let's go back to the beginning of your story. And um, how do you guys mean? It's my favorite question. <laughs> <laughs> we met in Spanish class our freshman year at Princeton. Oh and, my goodness. Um, we were friends. We didn't start dating right away. We were friends for a long time. Um, do you want to add anything? No, that, that's that's an accurate description. She's not making it up. She's being very honest. We were we met. Chris and, was hiding in the back of the class with his hat on low. I was still learning my way at Princeton. Not sure if I belonged or not. And Liz was the very um, uh, energetic girl that sat at the front of the class and brought bagels for everybody. And uh, I was shy in the back and then, um, established a friendship. Liz played soccer. And so a lot of the athletes hang out together and, uh, and over the course of our four years there, we, um, became you know, close friends. And then eventually our, um, senior year started dating mm -hmm. and the rest so, is just, yeah. Like when you go to Princeton, are you ever like, golly is this gonna be like so impossible like I know I don't know what kind of high school y'all went to but if I tried to go from Stillwater High School to Princeton I'd have been so scared like <laughs> I think a lot of people felt that way their freshman year I remember our coach telling us like you belong here everyone because everyone going there you think oh my gosh I don't belong here everyone else is a yeah. genius but you get over it. Well, I, I say it took two sports to get me in there, Matt. But, um, but yes, it, it took me about a year to kind of realize that everybody there has their own unique skill set and talent. And really, um, and everybody brings something different to the table, which is the, what makes it a great, a great place. And, uh, and for me, I learned that just if you work hard and you do your best that, um, you know, you can get through it. I, I wasn't a straight A student, certainly, but I, I was able to, to get through it with a, you know, a, a B average and I had an unbelievable experience, but I certainly was intimidated going in. Yeah, that would, I mean, I, but anyways. <laughs> Trust me, you could have done it. I promise you that. Yeah. <laughs> but 
so when you're playing two sports, like at, at, at what point, so, okay, let's go back to high school. You're playing basketball and baseball. Did you have a, a favorite? There were one that you thought you wanted to pursue professionally, or were you just like a kid? Like, I am pretty tall, pretty good at basketball, pretty good at baseball. Like, yeah, how did I mean, you wind up from like a Dallas high school being tall, good pitcher, good basketball player to playing both in college to eventually playing pro baseball? Well, I, I think it starts with, I continue to grow, um, you know, being 6'10", it, it, there was like, you know, the, the more I grew, the more interest I had with basketball. So yeah. um, that was kind of a natural fit, but I, I was a little bit of a late bloomer and I grew up in Dallas, um, you know, played both sports my whole life through uh, eighth grade, played football as well. And then in high school decided I wanted to play basketball and baseball. And, um, you know, at the time I didn't realize I was going to be 6'10 when I made that decision, but, um, you know, continued to grow. And then basketball, as I grew, got easier and, um, you know, and always loved baseball too. And, uh, probably like you, you just sort of, I always say baseball kind of chose me more than I chose baseball. And, um, in the end, I'm fortunate that I got to play for, you know, play for as long as I did. How tall are your parents? My parents, <laughs> my dad was 6'3 and my mom is 5'9 and, uh, so, I, I, so when you got to like six eight, were they like, "What is going on?" Well, and he has a sister who's six feet. She played basketball at USC. Like they're very tall. I don't know. I my all my dad's side. My dad came from uh from a, a town, a small town south of Fort Worth, Texas, and um he had he was one of nine, and his uh, sisters and brothers were all big tall people, and um you know I just I outgrew everybody in the family, but um certainly a bigger family, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I just can imagine parents being like, you show up home after you've been gone a couple of weeks and they're like, wow, you're yeah. still growing. That's amazing. <laughs> I know. Is this going to stop? Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's funny. In my mind, I never felt like it was, I was out of place. It wasn't like I, I was, you know, surprised by it. I just it sort of, you know, I just kept going. I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> yeah. So, Liz, so you played soccer at Princeton, and what was that journey like for you? Did you play multiple sports in high school as well, or was soccer kind of your your thing? I soccer was my main. I did basketball and um, track too, but soccer was my favorite. And then it was a very different journey than Chris's. I was not recruited. I, um, you know, this was old school where you're like calling or writing letters to the coaches and. Yeah. And um, I, Princeton was where I always wanted to go, and the coach just kind of said, "Well, I can't." I get, I get a certain amount of people I can put on a list to send to admissions and you're not on that list, but if you get in on your own, like call me back and you can come to preseason. So thankfully I got in and then I just went and I was like, kind of like a walk-on, but I didn't have to go to walk-on tryouts. So, and then I sat the bench for like my freshman and sophomore year, just waiting for an opportunity. The game was very fast to me. <laughs> like it took me about a year to catch up to college soccer. And then um, Chris taught me the term, the, the story, yeah. the Wally Pip, because the girl in front yeah. of me nice. tore ACL. And I, I remember saying something to Chris, self-deprecating, like, well, I'm getting to play, but it's just because she's hurt. And he told me the whole Wally Pip story. So then I started my junior and senior year. Oh, that's incredible. I've had a, a neat opportunity to get to know a lot of the soccer girls at Oklahoma State. And, and it is just such a neat sport. And I love what I love about those girls when they come over to the house is their bond is so incredibly tight. And um, was that like that on your team? Are you still friends with some of your teammates? Yes, I'm so there were four of us in my, our year and the four of us stay close in touch. We do trips sometimes. And, oh, that's and then awesome. they have, Princeton has reunions every year that everybody goes back to. So um, the soccer program does things every year at reunions too. Oh, that's awesome. So, so you yeah. said you had to get in on your own, like. <laughs> <laughs> 
give it you're to really me. into the whole I, thing like i love i want to know you want to go back no, you want to go back to school no, and I've, go to i've gone to my last class <laughs> in my life what 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 got you in on your own honestly well i was a good student and i love school but my brother was a senior at princeton when i was applying he played on the ice hockey team and um, I went to one of his games and the Dean of Admissions at the time when we were applying was a really special man who knew everybody. He was always around campus. Like if you, if you applied and had gotten in, he had read your application. Like he was really hands-on. So he was at the game and I got to meet him. So I basically got to have like a face-to-face -face interview with the Dean of Admissions. And I told him, my application's in. Oh, that's <laughs> I feel like that helped, but I had the grades and everything. Too. Yeah, I was gonna. I was looking for a test score, but we don't have to. Yeah, do I'm not gonna give you my answer. <laughs> I figured it was really high, but you don't have. He's to. a lot smarter than she looks. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to brag. It's fine. So when you went to law school, right? And I did. Yes. 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 When Chris was first, we were first married, and he was first playing. I went to Georgetown Law School. So that we yeah. we got married, and I made my I had my rookie season, and then this is like you know young time in our marriage kind of starting anew and um have been traded to san diego from texas and uh you know excited to go out and start out the life in california with liz and she decides i'm gonna go to law school and so we uh we we, we yeah. made it work though it was great she went to georgetown law in dc um she's from the northern virginia area right outside dc so it was you know kind of home for her and um you know, it really, this academic year and the baseball year don't overlap that much. So we were able to, to kind of piece it together for a couple of years. And then mm -hmm. her third year, she was a visiting student at the University of San Diego. So, mm -hmm. um, so she kind of got to come back yeah. out there and, and get back in the baseball lifestyle. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So now does she negotiating contracts? I know I, I, I paid too much in agent fees. I should have, I should have put, she negotiated. Know, now that you're like, Hey, is this a good contract? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a lot of fun. And you know what I love about baseball, Liz, is I was telling somebody the other day, one of the things that I really miss is the diversity, like just around a table with the wives. And, mm -hmm. and so there were women like you that were very educated and, and pursued their passion and, and just went for it. And the lawyers are there. I had a, one of the wives was a doctor and then there's girls at the table that can't read past third grade. And, but we all came together as a group to support the men that we loved and, and we, it all worked. Right. And so yeah. I always love that about, about pro sports. It's, it's so unique to anything else that really we've ever experienced is just the diversity that, that can really blend really well together when you're on mission <laughs> to go try to accomplish something great. Yeah, but Leslie, it's so true. It's one of the beauties of sports and specific <laughs> to baseball where it is so um, international and, and yeah. um, diverse is just, it's, it's unifying and mm -hmm. it's a great thing. I mean, people from all different backgrounds and walks of life, but they come together over one common thing, which is a game we all love and um, it is unifying and it's great to see. Yeah, no doubt. I love that. That's really fun. Okay, so when you were done playing, did you, what, how was that transition for you guys? Like that was, you know, I think every player, you talk to everybody, like it's not easy. Like you've been competing all your life, especially you, I mean, you play in two sports at a high level and then all of a sudden it stops. Like how was the transition for you guys as far as done playing? Were you immediately thinking about what's next? Were you like looking forward to some time of not doing anything? Me, I, I, like I, I don't sit well, so it wasn't great. Not but, well at all. It wasn't great at all. What was what was the transition <laughs> like from playing to like, okay, now what do I do? It was very fast. 
It was very fast, but I feel like I got to give sort of some background on it, just my own personal thoughts on it. And to me, it was not, I guess, to some degree, a little bit of fear um, of knowing that one, very few players get to decide when they're done. Um, oftentimes the game decides for you. And that's kind of what happened to me. I mean, I, I knew going into my last spring training, if I don't make the major league team, I'm, I'm, I'm shutting it down. Uh, but still had full conviction I was going to make the team. So when it didn't happen, it kind of happened quickly. But also the fear of, like you said, I don't sit well. I knew I wanted to work when I'm done. Um, I want to set an example for my children, continue to work and show them that, um, you know, that you can contribute in other ways. And, uh, and so for me, not knowing exactly what that was going to be, life after baseball, and then the longer I played, probably similar to you, Matt, sort of baseball professionally is all I know. <laughs> and, right. and so I felt like it was a natural thing to stay in the game. I just didn't know in what capacity. So um, that, that was kind of the background. I mean, honestly, there was like a little bit of, um, you know, fear, not, not thinking that I couldn't be successful, but just, am I ever going to find something I love this much? Right. And, um, but knowing that I still wanted to contribute and I still wanted to be a part of something in some way, uh, just not knowing what that is and, and, and in which way. So that's kind of the background on it. And then um, I, I went to camp in 2018 with the Padres. I did not make the team. And I was driving home from San Diego to Dallas and, uh, and the commissioner's office called and said, you know, we're, we're not saying you're done playing, but we kind of think you are done playing. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like you're done. You're driving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, of course, they were the first ones to get the transaction notice. So uh, so they called and, and said, look, if they're you know, if you're interested in maybe doing something different, we we think that we need more former players in the commissioner's office to give us kind of a player's perspective. And. It's a unique opportunity. We'd love to talk to you about it. And, you know, that that phone call just sort of piqued my interest that, you know what, there there's you know, they're going to be opportunities after baseball. And at some point you got to move on to the next phase of life. And this may be the right time. And I came home, I talked to Liz and the kids and the kids kind of said, Dad, we're we're ready for you to come to our games. And um, at which time I knew this is this is this is the time to transition into to, um, the next phase. So. Um, one thing led to the next, and I ended up taking the job in, in New York with the, the commissioner's office. You know, that Princeton education, nobody called me when I was done for the commissioner's <laughs> office and said they needed former players. <laughs> so well, what was that like, working for the commissioner's office? I, I was reading, I guess I didn't realize you were in charge of discipline and stuff. Like, the nicest guy in the world is, like, <laughs> handing out discipline. Like, did you get, I mean, how... That, you know, that, was, that was the toughest aspect of the job. That was really, really hard. And, um, you know, I think having been on field, I, one of the coolest parts about it was I got to work closely with Joe Torrey, um, who was a mentor for me. And then for the, you know, a year ago kind of took over and, and um, did, you know, the, the role Joe was doing. And um, just having Joe's wisdom to lean on was unbelievably, it was just invaluable. And um, Joe had such a unique perspective. I think, you know, his on-field experience, both as a player and a manager, and just being able to understand how the game operates, how hard it is, and, um, you know, what the emotions of these guys every day, what they go through, and, uh, you know, just trying to provide that. Sometimes the emotions get the, be get the best of us. I certainly had those moments, and um, you, know, you keep it in perspective, but at the end of the day, understanding that there are values and, and um, sportsmanship that we have a responsibility when we wear that uniform that we have to live up to, because we do set an example for every child out there playing the game, and, um it, it, you know, you, you have to keep those emotions in check. And uh, that's why the discipline aspect is still important. <laughs> or we could move over and be more like hockey. 
and <laughs> where fighting's acceptable and you sit out for two minutes instead of 10 games. Like a penalty box. <laughs> so I was thinking that, you know, I, there was times where I would have rather had a penalty box or something. Right? Maybe that's why they didn't call you. Yeah, that's probably why I didn't get the call on my way home. Funny enough, well, a, a friend of ours from Princeton, he's the discipline guy for the NHL. <laughs> oh, so he's got an easy job. Like, <laughs> oh my all goodness. things go, like really, yeah. like, outside of like taking your stick and hitting a guy in the face with it. So. That, that's his problem. They actually let him duke it out, but they don't let him, you know, take uh, cheap shots on each yeah. other. So that's his thing, sorting out the intent of hits. That's amazing. So yeah. tell me something, Joe Torrey, like give me something, some kind of leadership or I don't know, like when you get a chance to be around a guy that manages like a Hall of Fame manager and I don't know, give me something that, that he taught you that might help me and my coaching or somebody listening to this that what, I don't know. Give me a Joe Torrey nugget. Well, I, I think the biggest thing I learned from Joe is that, you know, Joe spoke all the time of that. It really took him three managerial positions before he kind of figured out um, and, and grew into the successful manager that he became at, with the Yankees. And, um, you know, I, I think that the thing that I learned from him is that you really like none of us are finished products and that you continue to evolve, you continue to learn, you continue to grow. And Joe's leadership did that. And in turn, you know, he became one of the winningest managers of all time, a Hall of Fame manager, an unbelievable person, and, uh, and just a unique ability to um, connect with so many people. But it took him time and years to get there. And I think it's a great lesson for all of us that, you know, th there's always room for growth, um, for improvement. And Joe's a, a classic example of that. I mean, it's one of the, the main things he'd always share. And I think it was just great wisdom. That is cool. I wonder how he determined how to grow. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, I think it's so interesting, you know, and cause I know for me, like there's some people that would say things to me and honestly, their words don't have any weight at all. I'd be like, ah, whatever. They just don't like me. But then there's some people, right. That, and I think determining your circle is really difficult, especially, I mean, I think when we, when we were players, I'm just going to call us that, right, Liz, because sure. we were in it, we were in it, like, we, I didn't play, but we were there, right, and so I think that it's really easy to determine your people in that setting, because you really get to know them, right, and, and they're, and they become very much like family, and, and, but I think once you get out of baseball, I think it's a little harder to determine, like, who's going to carry some weight in my life, and I don't know, do you have any answers on that, because that's sort of, I mean, just obviously, that's kind of what I'm going through right now, <laughs> And yeah. so any wisdom is good wisdom. <laughs> so, In fact, I, I probably feel similar to you. I, I don't have that figured out. I don't think we have it figured mm -hmm. out as a couple. I think that, um, you know, I, again, coming back to kind of Joe and his leadership, I think one of the things that leadership is kind of inspiring those around you or empowering those around you to be the best they can be. And um, while you may not always click personality wise, um, still there's something you can probably take from from everybody you come into you encounter and uh you know even though there may be different backgrounds or sets of beliefs or um you know just being open-minded being patient i think joe's unbelievably patient and uh, that was another thing i took from him but to to your point I, I feel the same way that you just you get pulled so many different directions and um you know your, your short interactions with people and you you know, you're making quick judgments and figuring out exactly how much time you're going to allocate to certain people or things in, in your life. And it's really, really tough. And um, certainly I struggle with it. I have not figured that out yet. Um, but I think just in the end, 
trusting that, you know, one, we have good intentions with what we do. There's um, a humility behind, you know, who we are and, and what we try to be. And then trying to, you know, at the core of other people have the same, you know, be around people with the same values. And, um, and that's kind of, I don't know, that's kind of my philosophy on mm -hmm. it, but I, by no means do we have it figured out. <laughs> yeah. It's tough, isn't it? It's yeah. Tough. All right. So you're the GM of the Rangers. Is it what you expected? <laughs> Um, Liz may be able to answer that better because she gets all my like very just candid thoughts on a nightly basis. Okay, I, don't know what, I don't know what we expected really. It's like, first of all, just when you say that, so you're the GM of the Rangers, like just the other day, we were both like, it's so weird. Like, I can't believe that. Yeah, I, <laughs> dumb, right? I <laughs> thought it was weird just reading it. I'm like, I thought yeah. we were just playing against each other. Yes. And then, and then on the flip side, we see the players and their wives and what they're living and we're both like that's much more familiar believe, to us but also like i can't believe we did that like now that we're oh. on the other side of it like you so appreciate how crazy. hard it is and how just obviously hard performance for the guys but then just for families like now that we've made it through you look back on it like gosh i can't believe we did that we did it liz we did it, we did it. like did i remember it. this is off subject kind of but i remember I think Matt was playing for the Yankees and you guys were with the Royals. And uh -huh. I remember like I ran into you randomly in the parking lot and I had a bunch of kids, you had a bunch of kids. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, you know, it, it is, it's just such a weird, I mean, we did it. We, yeah. and, and it does feel sometimes like li a lifetime ago. I mean, it really yeah, does. And yeah. then especially when you see the brand new babies and the little pumpkin seats and nursing kids in the bathroom and all yeah. the things that go on that no one really, knows about but it's right. just a wild it's a wild journey for yeah. sure yeah, <laughs> but no, i think that's sure. cool that that you guys are teaming up and and you're the gm and i want to hear the candid thoughts i want to hear the candid thoughts too but i think it's so cool like the like the experience that that's so unique because there's most gms right they don't I mean, I know there are good GMs out there, but they don't, they don't know what it's like to be us. <laughs> and so, well, look, I, I, that's the first thing I will profess is that there, there's a lot of the job I still don't know and understand and probably aspects of it I'll never dominate um, because I haven't, you know, had a traditional background, so to speak. Um, but to the contrary, there, there are aspects of the job that I do understand very, very well, especially baseball. Um, you know, the baseball, the on-field element, I, I do understand. Matt, same, same as you. I mean, you get what it's like. You know the emotions, the feeling, the pressure, the stresses, uh, the way your body aches. I mean, it, there's a real um, empathy that, that I have for the players and what they go through and the coaches for that matter too. Um, so I understand that aspect of it. And I think the other thing that I, I you know, somewhat understand is is really culture and people and um you know i'm a big believer and subscriber that it's not the the most talented teams that win it's the it's the right teams that win the teams that that have the right group of talent not the best talent and um it's trying to establish that culture establish the the right group of people to win a championship and for me that's that's the important aspect of it because that's in my experience what successful teams are you guys have lived it and certainly for me um it's the same and uh you know in the end whether or not my playing experience serves me well or not i i think that it does but um again the other aspect too is that you know i'm surrounded by unbelievably smart people who um in our front office who provide some of the perspective that i don't have and that's been really really helpful um thus far navigating kind of these these waters that's awesome do you find yourself like nervous during the games or how does like when you watch the games are you like what's the internal 
heart rate? Are we riding the highs and lows of the games? Or are you just... Yeah, Liz is laughing. You know, I, I don't have nerves. I will tell you that. Because, Matt, <laughs> nothing nothing compares to the nerves of having to compete in the playoffs, the World Series. I mean, what, what, I mean, for you, do you get nervous before a game at Oklahoma State? It's not the same. It's totally different. It's but exactly right. at the same time, it's such a weird feeling because you have no control. Like, at least when you're playing, you feel like you can impact the game. Like, there's a sense of, like... Uh, I don't know, easiness that, hey, maybe I, you know, I, I have actually something to do with when you have nothing to do with who wins or loses, it's kind of hard to sit still. Like, I'm like, well, there's nothing I can do here. So I'm just going to, sometimes I just have to sit back and just, you know, there's nothing, you know, I've tried the best that I can here, get them ready and just kind of let it play out. <laughs> so now you guys know how we felt all those years because we were so invested, but there yeah. was no control over exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it really impacted the Every rest of the evening. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Liz, Liz told me there were nights where I pitched so poorly, she was afraid to even like speak in the car because she knew how upset no, I was. Sometimes I would say, you know, if I would say anything, but this usually he was pretty good after, but if it was a really bad one, I would say something and then he would kind of, you know, snap about it. And then, so then sometimes I would just say, okay, I'm just not going to say anything. Oh, You're fine. We got a lot of them. <laughs> so then I would not, not say anything. And then he was like, so you're just not going to say Sometimes you can't win. Sorry, we have a crazy <laughs> dog here. He's a one-year-old COVID <laughs> puppy and... Uh, <laughs> Ooh, what kind of fair. dog? What kind of dog is it? A beagle. Oh, a oh, beagle. beagle. Nice. If you guys need a dog, we can send one up. <laughs> we have four if you'd like one of ours. <laughs> yeah, maybe um, your dog will quit barking if we send you one of ours. Yeah, yeah, your dog go. needs a dog. Yeah. But Matt, to your point, I, I feel the exact same way. I feel helpless during the game. Um, but certainly invested in every pitch and living on the edge of my seat. It's actually funny. There were times where as a starting pitcher and I wasn't pitching you almost kind of check out or be, you know, you're into the game, but you're not glued to it. I, I now am glued to every single pitch. I mean, yeah. it is like on the edge of my seat, but, but kind of with that helpless feeling, but nothing compared to the nerves that, you know, that we experience as players. And um, so it's, it's, it's different, but I, I still love that, but it's not, um, not quite the same as having, you know, having done it between the lines. Like when you're watching it, say, I know the extra innings are weird now or whatever, but are you constantly thinking about what the next move might be? Or like, okay, we just pitched this kid. I mean, we're going to have to make a move for the bullpen. Like, is that, that's just how you watch every game? Nonstop. And yeah. it's especially hard. You know, there've been moments where I've been on the uh, East coast, the teams on the West coast. Um, it's a night game and, you know, staying up till one or two in the morning to see how we get through the game so that, you know, we can walk through any roster moves that need to be made, checking in with a trainer on a nightly basis to see, uh, you know, how do we come out of it, kind of living on the edge of my seat, going into a game, knowing that, all right, we only have, you know, two or three guys available in the bullpen today. We need a good outing from the starting pitcher or else we're going to be really short, short-handed. So, um, it's constant. It just never, there's never a dull moment. It's, it's, you know, even on an off day, which today is, you still are, you know, thinking about tomorrow and the, all the, you know, the, the corresponding moves that you may have to make should something go haywire. What about the trade deadline? Are you, is this going to be like, is this kind of, are you already like contemplating? Things? Well, Yes, we, I mean, we're, we have to, given where we are as an organization, we're at the beginning of kind of a, a um, you know, reset, I, I call it, um, you know, and we have some veteran talent that, you know, one, I think deserves to be on winning teams and, and, you know, we may have to, you know, see what the opportunity, what the market is, but, um, 
yeah, so we're starting that process right now and trying to see, you know, how what's the best way to upgrade our team and who can be a part of, of what we consider our championship window, which is hopefully, you know, in a couple of years. I just think that's really cool. Like your hand is in a lot of places. Like we were just talking before we came on that you're watching potential draft picks and you're, you know, you're talking about your, your prospects and just kind of the overall hand in so many different things is, is pretty cool. I mean, probably keeping you very, I guess, your mind, you know, pretty active with all the different things that you get a chance to have your hand in. Well, it is. It's, you know, in certain ways, it's all new to me. I mean, just being in charge of um, being in a part of the draft room or being part of the trade deadline or uh, roster construction and spring training. Um, you know, this year is coming fast in my first year. I think that in future years, it'll slow down. But I think this year it's, it's all new. So it feels uh, very fast to me. Um, but, you know, some of it, again, I know, but, but a lot of it I don't. And that's why I really rely on the people we have. We're very good, smart people in our front office who and John Daniels, our team president who hired me, has done a tremendous job of really mentoring me, um, you know, providing me exposure to a lot of different areas without really influencing my opinion or thoughts on things. Um, to some degree, this is the most objective I'll ever be in this job because I'm coming in from the outside. So uh, he's been wonderful in, in giving me uh, the opportunity to kind of see things with open eyes and almost treat it as like a consultant this year as I learned the job. That's cool. Sorry, Liz. I just have a lot of questions. This is fascinating. No, I was I'm not say, trying to leave you out here. I just, I had a lot of questions for Chris. I don't know. <laughs> like you guys can talk. Say, I was going to say when he was talking about, when you asked about what's it like with the GM job, one thing he, I don't think we really talked about beforehand was all of the whole minor leagues or all of those organizations as well. So he's had to do a lot of traveling to those. Mm -hmm. And it was a full circle moment because when we were first dating, his first minor league team was the Hickory Crawdads. He spent oh. an entire se well, season and a half there, yeah. I think. Spent a lot of time in Hickory together. And so that that was in the Pirates organization when he was there. But now it's one of the Rangers affiliates. So he just was there recently. That's cool. Like, oh my gosh. It's like, it's it was like as flashback. if time stood still yeah. in a lot of ways. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it was fun to go back and um, brought back a lot of vivid memories for me as well. Yeah. We were just in the, the regional in Tucson with the University of Arizona took oh, over right. high Corbett training. Yeah, they took over high Corbett Field where I spent, you know, when I was 18 years old, I got dropped off for the first time <laughs> out of a white van that we picked up a white van. <laughs> I, I, in Tucson, Arizona, I was like, man, I remember getting off a plane in this airport and getting in another white van and being driven to the Holiday Inn on Palo Verde <laughs> as an 18 year old with some high tide. I'm like, why didn't my mom and dad at least come with me to drop me off? <laughs> Right, I didn't, and I was like, and here I am at High Corbett Field, which unfortunately looks the exact same as it did in 1998. And I was like, it was, it was the same kind of thing where I'm like, wow, I could hear the animals from the little zoo that's right <laughs> off the deal that brought me back to the 6:30 in the morning practices before the 10 o'clock games because it was 120 degrees. Uh, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm like, this is taking me back, I'm like. Like Where a lifetime ago, right? Yeah, I'm like, this is unbelievable. But uh, so, the, yeah, the high Corbett field made me took me back in time because it looks pretty much the exact same as it did. Isn't it crazy though? Like how vivid those memories are when I mean, you you probably forgot about some of those things for yeah. years, and then all of a sudden, like in a flash, just like, oh my gosh, I'm reliving this. Yeah, I was like in Tucson again, and I was like, wow, I knew exactly where everything was, and that the yeah. name of the streets, and like. The claim jumper across the street and i'm like oh yeah i remember reading there a lot you know just weird stuff where you're like yeah. you're coming down that street right next to the and you're like i've been down this street a million times but 
It's nuts, uh, isn't it? Yeah. That was always my favorite thing when we were with baseball friends to ask, like, well, that's the holidays what, right what now. was your path? I like to hear each stop, and then I like to hear about, like, funny stories like that. People mm -hmm. always remember, like, I always say, I should, probably shouldn't say this is negative, but, like, what was the worst place you ever stayed? Oh. And people, like, answer it like that, and they have these funny minor league stories. Do you have it? What <laughs> is Nightdale, it? North Carolina, 100%. Well, I played for the Carolina Mudcats, and uh -huh. the closest apartments were in Nightdale, North Carolina, not Lawrence Raleigh. And... <laughs> It was, it was bad. It was bad. It was not close <laughs> to the field. It was not a nice area. And Liz, you'll love this story. So Lindsay Bard, our mutual friend, you know, yes. the most positive person in the whole entire world. She goes, they, they were in front of us. Josh had the year before they, the had year before there. they had been at Nightdale at this Lauren's way apartment complex. <laughs> and I was like, Lindsay, I said, where should we stay? Dada? She goes, Lauren's way. It's wonderful. The people there are wonderful. This is, it's an amazing place. And so I'm all, I'm all excited about it because I think Lindsay Bard said, this is great. Da, da, da. It's going to be wonderful. I pull up and I'm like, what in the world is this? It's, it's so, I mean, she thought it was wonderful, but in reality it was not. Because like, was, Lindsay thinks everything is wonderful. Yeah, and yeah. So, She's like the most positive person yeah. in the world. She's the most positive person in the world. And yeah. I didn't know that at the time. And now I, I know I know that like, we'll see Lindsay. Like when she says something's <laughs> great, then it's a we'll see Lindsay. But it was, that was the worst place. Absolutely. That is so that, funny that you that remember that. I mean, but no minor leaguer ever forgets it. I mean, I feel the same no. way. Yeah. Mm -mm. No, Yeah. that was rough. For sure. Okay. All right. How, so, Matt, how long was your minor league journey? Five years. I went okay. uh, 98 in Tucson, uh, rookie ball, playing 10 a.m. games because it was 120. Uh, we went to Asheville. I went to Asheville, yeah. North Carolina. What year were you in Asheville? 1998, nine, okay. 1999, Asheville. Uh -huh. uh, 2000 in Salem, Virginia. And then 2001, I had Tommy John surgery, so I missed almost that whole season. Wow. And then 2002, Carolina Mudcat. Nightdale. Nightdale. Uh -huh. And then 2003, <laughs> Tulsa Driller, which was close Tulsa, to home. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, Colorado moved their double A from Nightdale to Tulsa. Yeah. I played there one year. And then the next year, I was on the Big Colorado. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But he was sent to AAA. And then six days later, he was called to the big leagues. And so Jackson and I drove as a baby. He was a baby. Drove from Tucson to Colorado Springs, got the apartment all ready to go. And then we get the and call that he's in the big leagues. That is uh, so cool. Yeah. So then I lived in Colorado Springs waiting for Matt to get ba sent back down. She had me getting sent back down. Yeah. So. But the lease, <laughs> but like I, I couldn't didn't. break the lease. <laughs> <laughs> and he never came back. That's never right. came back. I love so. it. I got that tape. After, after my first uh, two games, I was over six. I thought for sure I was headed back. <laughs> Thankfully, I got three hits the third day and was able to stay. So that's awesome, man. That's turned so out, cool. Turned out all right. Yeah. yeah. One, one more question for you. What was it like when you were recovering from Tommy John as a minor leaguer? What was your mentality? Did you have any doubt about your your rehab or your ability, like to to become a major leaguer? Well, you know, as a position player, I really didn't even think it was that big a deal. Like as soon as I had the surgery and, you know, once you get through like the kind of the range of motion stuff and then you yeah. start to get to play catch for the first time, I was like, oh, I'm going to be fine. I ended up, I was playing in spring training games seven months post-surgery. So I probably wasn't the smartest thing I'd ever did, but <laughs> I said I was fine. So they put me out there and I probably wasn't a hundred percent until probably 12 to 14 months as far yeah. as my arm health, but I was able to play. So I, I, I didn't really, I don't remember it being all, I mean, it probably was devastating initially, Sure, but 
I think, you know, I, I got back pretty quick. You know, I, I spent one off season just kind of rehabbing and, and stuff and then was back in spring training ready to go. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it's a much different feeling as a pitcher just because, you know, that's kind of your bread and butter. Yeah. But, you know, it was it was honestly, thank God, I, I had a pretty – I didn't have any major setbacks or any sort of, you know, scary moment of, car, you know, scar tissue breaking where uh -huh. you feel like you tear it again or, or some of the experiences that you hear about. But um, it really – for a position player, I, I, I mean, I, I think it's pretty – you know, especially now, as good as they are at these surgeries, it's, sure. it's, uh, I, I think it's, it is surprising. I think for me, it was a lot of wear and tear from football and they moved me positions from third base to the outfield and just kind of lengthening my arm. I didn't really know how to do that very well. Sure. I was throwing with a very short arm stroke. Um, that's probably what did it. And then, uh, you know, as you get older, you learn how to take care of your arm better. You know, I just, as yeah. a kid, nobody, I mean, nobody really talked about, arm care that much and, and yeah so, but I, I, you know, it wasn't that rough I don't kinda, think. it's cool to hear I mean I you know look I went through my share of surgeries as a pitcher but um similar mentality and I think that what you just said sort of sums it up is that it, it, to me it's kind of the power of the mind and that you just hey it's no big deal it's part of my journey it's not going to stop me from achieving my dreams and yeah. it, it, it truly I think I took that for granted at times as a player that I was able to think that way because I think there are a lot of players who it becomes they get overwhelmed or they turn to other things um, that inhibit their healing um, and yeah. get distracted. And I think for, you know, to hear you say that kind of reinforces exactly what I, I want to tell our players when they go through these injuries is that this is just a step in your journey and it's going to make you a better major leaguer. So, you know, yeah, attack it's, the, it's, the, it's the next obstacle. And you, you know, I mean, it's like one of those things. It's a job it's requirement. Like, it's the, it's the, part of it. you can take <laughs> it on as, as competition. Like, you know, my, right. that was my competition was I want to be able to play in spring training. Like I want to be healthy enough that I can play in spring training games. So that was my goal. That's what I woke up thinking about driving me. And so it's like, it's like we talk about some of our, our, our players on our team and even our kids, like, what motivates you? Like you say you want something, but what are you doing to sacrifice to get it? Like it's right. easy for everybody to say, oh yeah, like even my boys, like, oh, you guys want to play in the major leagues? Okay, well, what are you willing to sacrifice? Are you going to put time and work it? Are you going to go to the cages? Are you going to go to the weight room? Are you going to lift weights? Are you going to eat healthy? Are you going to go to bed? Like, are, are you going to do what it takes to, or you, you can say that, but there's millions of kids in this country that want to play major league baseball. And so- Trying to, trying to, you can't, you know, less than I talk about, like, you can't, like, my will can't be their will, you know, like, right. what internally drove me, I can't give that to them. And yeah. so, you know, it's sometimes it's frustrating, you know, just yeah. the college guys that say, yeah, I want to play in the major leagues. I'm like, well, it, you're kind of what you're doing is not really, doesn't really <laughs> point to that, you know? Right. It, it gives me chills to hear you say that because um, it's something that I've tried to preach to our minor league players. Um, is that I think what you just said, one, you have to love competition um, and, and you creating the competition. Like I want to be ready for spring training. That that's like, you know, that's just, it's awesome. But secondly, I think that what I learned over the course of my career is I used to think competing was just between the lines. And what I realized was that competing really was everything off the field that allowed you to just go out and play between the lines. Competing was the weight room and your sleep and your nutrition and your, your strength conditioning and your recovery and all of that, that was competing because if you want to be the best you can be, 
you want to be great in all those areas so that when you take the field, you have the conviction and the confidence that I've done everything I could possibly do to put myself in position to be successful. And um, that to me is what makes great major leaguers. And certainly it's the qualities I admire most in, in you know, successful athletes. And um, it's really, really cool to hear you say that because it's, it's just completely reinforces one of my core principles in, in this role. Yeah, I, I just think it really punched me in the face. I think when you sign and you go to the minor leagues and you see kids from all over the world, like you realize that it's such a global game and that you're like, well, how are you going to separate yourself? Like, that's what I tell. Like, how are you going to because the talent is going to be somewhat similar. I mean, obviously, there's the outliers, but there's going to be similar talent in the minor leagues. But what separates you and the sacrifice are you willing to make that others aren't is really what's going to decide whether you know, you, you give yourself a chance to do this. And so I, it's, it's one of those things that, that I hope that I'm passing along to college players and, and even my own boys. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that when, like you're talking about the, the sacrifice that it takes to be a, is the, where the competition comes. Are you willing to do it or not? Like that's, you can be a great competitor on the field, but if you're not, if you can't stay on the field because you're not taking care of yourself then you know, it really defeats the purpose. No, it's, it's so well said. And I just love hearing it. I, I really do. Um, it, it's again, one of my core principles that it just, um, you have to, you, you have to do everything it takes. You don't get a second chance at this. So doing everything you can um, to be successful is, is the key. So sorry about I'm this sorry. dog. I heard bark this much before. So um, <laughs> we do that to people. Maybe, maybe he knows that we have four dogs. I think it's we're never sitting in this room at night and he, he's seeing himself in the reflection and think he's a really smart dog. He's like Princeton material. So <laughs> smart people buy smart dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but okay. uh, I got one. I got one last question. We do this on, on the end of the podcast. So it's table 40. So if you're sitting at a table with some of you can actually you can have six, seven. We've had a lot of random answers to this question. So you can have pretty much anybody you want at the table. And what food are we having? So you get Ooh. six or seven people. They can be we've had Abe Lincoln to Tom Brady to Justin Bieber to just friends. We you know, we went Alexander with, the Great. Yeah, we, we, had, <laughs> we had some really strange answers. But all right. So you get. And then you got what your favorite food, what the youngs would, would want at that. Well, I, I will preface this by saying Liz and I have different palates. Um, so you can have both. You guys can both sit both. <laughs> we're, we're not overly sophisticated people. So, um, you know, I think that it would be a very casual dinner. I mean, I, you know, I, I would love even just a burger and fries for me or yeah, Liz I, would go pizza. I know I'm a toss up between good pizza or Tex-Mex. Like oh, Tex-Mex, yeah. Yeah, let's say the text uh, all all day, all day. Yes, a margarita uh, and good Mexican food. That's my uh, that's my thing. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then the oh, company hard. is that's a that's a great question. I mean, um, holidays included, we would <laughs> we would go. I would say Jackie Robinson is someone that I would absolutely yeah. like. That would be the coolest experience ever to to be able to sit down and and to um, you know have dinner and talk just his experiences. So. That that would certainly be um, Jackie and Sharon Robinson would be at the top of my list. Liz, who? I don't know. I'm thinking. I mean, I just think of my own family. <laughs> no, like, family, family's already there. We family's already there. Even like my parents and my siblings. Yeah, your parents yeah. are already there. Oh. I don't Teammates? Know. 
ex-teammate couples, Josh and Lindsey Bard, maybe, or, you know, you heard Dave and Trish Roberts. Dave and Trish, they're okay. good friends. We yeah. would love them. Um, the Hoffmans, the Hoffmans yeah, are great friends. Yeah. yeah. Um, who else? The Venables, uh, Will, Will and Catherine happen. Venable are close friends of ours. Um, the Hunleys are close friends, the Gonzalez. That, that's kind of our baseball crowd. Um, yeah. That's a good crowd. Yeah, those yeah, are good people. Yeah. 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 The Gordons. Yeah. No, Alex, Alex, the Gordons, the Hochavers. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Davises, the Hollis. That's just, what we yeah. always talk about. Like, we'd love to get together on like a little vacation and it's so hard now, but like with all your favorite <laughs> old teammates, like just, yeah, you want to catch up. Like that's, what's been cool about this. Like, like the Schumachers and like a lot of the guys that right. we played with and Wayno and like even the Rockies days. And you're like, we should all go on vacation together. Like we really <laughs> yeah. try to find a week during the year, go to Vegas for a couple of days and just, catch up like you know doesn't, nike, like, doesn't nike want some retired people wearing <laughs> yeah exactly surely nike wants a retired <laughs> maybe we could pitch that <laughs> it would be I'll, fun I'll for to, everybody I'll try to pitch that. I, I don't even think the guys that took us back then are there anymore so i don't know yeah, exactly I, don't... I think they've retired that's uh, yeah. again we're showing our age here but um, yeah. Matt, i got one last question for you before we go I, what is your favorite aspect of what you're doing now I think the 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 mentorship of of kind of eighteen to twenty two year olds trying to figure out who they are like they're yeah. they're in such an age where they're kind of leaving home. We had kids, you know, kind of leaving home, an eighteen year old all the way like a twenty three year old who's married. So like just kind of that that whole group of influence of of guys like trying to figure out what you know a good dating life or how to meet girls or you know and then all the way to a guy that's like newly married and like trying to figure out how to be married and then yeah. like you got guys that are very dedicated to, to wanting to be pro baseball players and what that looks like and so to me I, I love to teach the swing and the mechanics of a swing and and all that is is fun but I, I think the best part is just kind of uh the relational part of, of just getting to know the kids and, and some of the young guys, like having them over to the house and giving them a place where, um, and nowadays, you know, there's just, just the social media, like pressure and yeah. reading Twitter and, and all the things, I think that the extra kind of layer of burden that a lot of these kids carry, like trying to take it from them a little bit and just let yeah. them come over and be kids and spend time so cool. and just play games or, you know, play wiffle ball or just, Give them a yeah. place that's that's not so stressful. And I think that's been probably our most gratifying, I guess, being here has been just kind right. of whether it's soccer girls or sorority girls or our guys or other sports guys. You know, we, we built a lighted wiffle ball field here oh, on, our, on our property. <laughs> We're coming we up have, for that. Yeah, we have a gym. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> we have a gym that has a pickleball court and a basketball court oh, so they can yeah. – they just come play like they can just come and so cool. play with the ball and fish and you know just give them a place to kind of just come and just hang and so that's that's probably been my favorite part of it that's they're really so cool. lucky and to have you guys that's so great I know. leslie what about you what has been your favorite post playing career aspect? it's the same it's the same thing i i think like what i wanted to say when matt was talking it it what's been neat for me is you know as a wife and watching matt compete that was fun. I mean, that was really fun to, I mean, I knew all the hard work and stuff that went on before the game started and all of those things, but, but watching him coach these kids has been really unique for me. Um, Matt's done such a neat job of, of building trust first before he can, before he goes in and teaches mechanics or teaches that sort of right. thing. And 
it's been really neat to watch Matt um, because I, I, it's just a different kind of seat, right? And so you just see it a little bit differently when, when you're a coach versus a player. And it's been really cool to see these other gifts that he has and, and kind of creating a culture and, and teach and I guess creating trust within young men has been, it's been neat for me to watch, but I guess my favorite thing post, that's been one of my favorite things post playing career is just, I don't know. It's been good for the marriage. I I remember uh, why I like you so much. (laughs) (laughs) You see, I know that's why I say Liz has seen all my worst sides that baseball's brought out of me as a player. And now she's getting to see like an element of me trying to give back and like, you know, provide experience to, you know, to, I wish every player could have what you and I had on the field at the major league level and truly like, you know, living their dreams. And, and so uh, similar, similarly to me, it's the same thing, just that, that reward of letting these, you know, allowing, giving these kids a platform to go achieve their dreams and doing everything we can to provide every resource for them to, to do so. Yeah. And um, it's, it's pretty cool to, you know, to be a part of that. It's, it's much more gratifying than as a player where I felt like I was solely focused one, because I've constantly felt like I wasn't good enough to be in the big leagues. And so I had to like do everything I could, but secondly, um, you know, just being able to really, you know, deflect and, and help others more than, you know, focus on myself. I, I I've just feel very similar to you guys in that experience. Yeah, it's been cool. Yeah. And cool for sure. And it's been nice too. like, there's no like ulterior motive. Right. I mean, we're just hanging out and we're like, right. Hey, come over. We, we just want to get yeah. to know you and, and we want to help you. Like you said, like, you know, it's, that's been really, it's a, it's a, it's really a comfortable neat. place for us because like we said, like I'm, yeah. I'm a volunteer, so I make zero dollars. So right. I don't really have any pressure. Like if my brother wants to fire me, like I'm like, okay. Like, I, don't, I don't think he will, but I'm like, I don't have, I don't have the job pressure that they have. Like yeah. I'm just kind of here cause I like baseball and that's really the only thing I know anything about. So it's so uh, neat though. Yeah. Well, the, the, the students at Oklahoma state are so lucky to have both of you in, in the mm-hmm. holiday family. I mean, it's really, really cool um, to see that and carrying on the tradition that your dad had there. And yeah. uh, what a special, special thing. We appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, yeah. It's been fun. For sure. Well, I'm glad you guys got to come on. uh, We could talk for another couple hours. Thank you for listening to Table 40 with Matt and Leslie Holiday, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. For more stories on sports intersecting with faith, visit sportsspectrum.com.